Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start than right now. So let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. All right, guys, welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast. As always, presented by our good friends over at Scentlock. If you're gearing up for turkey season, I would highly recommend you to look over at Blocker's line of clothing. Uh, they have a ton of turkey gear uh, to get you into the spring. But, guys, you've got to go check out our friends at Scentlock and their entire um, list of brands, which is Blocker and Oz and Tree Spider. They absolutely make incredible gear. I have a special guest on the phone. Something we've been trying to work this out for a while. Um, and, and we'll dive into kind of how that played out. But I've got Raymond Rowe, otherwise known as Eric of the tag team Viking Raiders from WWE. Eric uh, Raymond, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Now, for those who are not WWE fans, listen, I'm gonna be 100 percent honest with you. I I've, I'm not a WWE fan. Uh, however, I'll tell you why I became a fan of yours quickly, because you have an outside influence that you use for hunting, uh, which I, I commemorate, I applaud, um, and, and I like watching that. I like people who have influence outside of the hunting community, use that influence for hunting. Um, and so I was, I was incredibly pumped to have you on the show. Um, but for those who don't watch WWE, Give us a quick introduction to yourself, kind of how you got there, what you do, so on and so forth. Uh, sure. I am a professional wrestler, um, which has been my main, you know, uh, my, my passion my entire adult life. Uh, I've, I started wrestling in 2003, and um, I, you know, it, it took me, you know, eight or 10 years before I really got momentum and kind of um, I talk about like uh, small time, like independent wrestling, a lot like, um, independent music, like you were, you know, if you, if you go out to a club, uh, in any, any town across the country, there's, there's bands playing, you know, and they might not make, they might not make enough money to, uh, to support them, their family or themselves. So they're, they're working real jobs Monday to Friday. Uh, and then they're going out and playing, playing concerts and, you know, making towns and stuff like that. Uh, so I did that for a really long time. And then, um, you know, just kind of work jobs to make, to support my wrestling habit. And then, uh, in 2014, uh, I was able to go full-time, uh, as a professional wrestler, uh, and then kind of my career took off, um, right after that, uh, I was, uh, I, I spent, uh, several years, um, four or five, you know, three or four years doing, uh, touring all over the world. I went to Japan. I spent a lot of time in Japan actually. Um, and then, you know, Mexico, England, Europe, 
all over the United States, uh, Canada, um, just, just wrestling. So, uh, and actually was, was tag teaming with, um, you know, the guy who would become my best friend, um, who's Ivar, uh, uh, my, my tag team partner in the Viking Raiders. And then we got signed to WWE. Uh, we started with WWE in uh, January of 2018. We started with their, uh, developmental brand NXT. Uh, so that moved us to Florida. We, we were there for a little over a year and then we came up to, um, Monday night raw. We were on Monday night raw for two years and now I've been on SmackDown for about a year, um, or closing in on a year, not quite a year yet. Um, but I've been, been with, um, tag teaming with, with Ivar through all of that. Like he was kind of a similar career path where he, um, you know, he was kind of banging around the Indies and trying to make a name for himself. And then when we formed a tag team on the independence, that's when both of our careers took off. So, uh, it was kind of like that catching lightning in a bottle. Um, we didn't, we didn't know that it was going to do that when we did it, but we, we were, a, we we're a full-time tag team and that that's something that's kind of rare in WWE or in, in wrestling in general, but in WWE these days where, where we are, an actual tag team and like we're best friends. We travel together. We, we, you know, drive in between shows together. Um, you know, we, we, we bunk up. We usually share hotel rooms. Like he, he's, he's my best friend and, uh, or definitely, you know, one of, one of, one of my three best friends in the world. So it's, it's, it's cool that we get to chase this dream together. Man, it's really cool to be on the list of best friends with, with him. That's, that's cool, man. No, <laughs> Um, so I always tell people like this too. Um, and maybe you can, maybe you can give the advice for, for hunting. Um, but I get that question all the time, more so than I ever thought I would get is like, how do you make it full-time in the hunting industry? Um, and just like yourself, well, a, it just starts with just grinding it out. Like, I mean, there was, there was so many times where my wife was like, you're not only not making money, you're spending money to do this in the hunting industry. And, uh, and I tell people that all the time, like it just starts with being maybe too stupid to realize that it, <laughs> I mean, so what kind of advice would you give somebody that has that dream of obtaining something? Um, and it just seems, I don't know, maybe they're stuck in the mud. They're spinning their wheels. They're never getting anywhere. They're never, you know, making that, that money in the industry they're wanting to. Um, what kind of advice would you give that person? So, so there's, there's, this advice is, is twofold. Uh, the first thing is change your mindset. Um, and, and that's something that I struggled with for a long time where, um, you need to add value to the industry, to, uh, other people's lives, to the network that you, you know, you want to connect to, um, you need to add value by your presence there. So like so many people are like, well, I want to be, you know, I want to be a full-time wrestler or I want to be a full-time hunter or I want to be whatever. Me, 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 me. What can I get? What can I get? What can I get? And their, their focus is on themselves. And I feel like they, you know, good things happen when you're putting more energy out than you are taking in. I don't know if that, if that necessarily makes sense uh, in the the way that I'm saying it, but like, if if you're not adding value to the, you know, the industry, the network, the people that you're interacting with, why would anyone else help you? You know what I mean? And like, especially with like uh, communities like 
you know, entertainment or, um, you know, uh, the hunting industry and stuff like that. Like it's a small community. So if you're, you know, selfish or don't follow up on, on what you say you're going to do and, uh, other things like that, like people remember, people notice, like people, you know what I mean? Like, sure. Like you might be able to cut corners and, you know, burn bridges and stuff like that and get ahead for in the short term, but like, that's not going to sustain you for the long term, you know? Right. So you need to, you need to add value. And then just like you're talking about, just don't quit. Um, Ivar and I talk about it all the time where like we started wrestling with guys so long ago that were, you know, maybe better than us, or, you know, they were more talented in certain things or people treated them like they were more talented. At least uh, they were getting all the opportunities. We weren't, we were frustrated, like, man, why are these guys doing this? And why are we, you know, why are we open in the show? Why are they in the main event? You know? And then five years later, there's less of those guys. And then 10 years later, there's even less of those guys, you know, now we're, we're still here. We're still, you know, still grinding, still working, still trying to improve all the time and, and add that value to matches, to, to shows, to whatever, you know, so like, and, and then we're still doing it. And those guys are now sending us text messages. We're like, Oh man, remember when we had that, you know, we were on that show 20 years ago or 15 years ago. I'm like, yep. Yeah, I do. Uh, and, and now, you know, I, I'm still doing it and people are, are watching from home. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and that's not to say that I'm, I'm better than anybody, but I just, maybe like you said, I'm, I'm too dumb to know when to quit. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then, it, and then it worked out, you know, it works out if you, if you, uh, kind of continue grinding and continue working for something like good things are going to happen, but they're not going to happen overnight and they're not going right. to happen easy. Like, uh, so Tim Kennedy has a quote and I, I think eh, like I, if someone, if someone said it better than you, just steal it and credit them. Uh, he said, everything you want in life is just on the other side of hard work. Yeah. Everything you want in life is just on the other side of hard work. And like, I, I think about that all the time. Cause like, I'm tired from training, from traveling. I don't want to. Train. I know you think that yeah. switching over to a recurve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. That's uh, the, so someone called it. I don't know who, who called it that, that first, but uh, I've heard it called a struggle stick. And uh, I, I, that's, that's my name for, for a recurve bow, man. It's, I believe it's, it's unquestionably the struggle stick. If I'm wrong, um, don't blast me out of the sky for this. I believe it was Aaron Schneider uh, that came up with that term. I could, he might have got it from somebody else. Might have got it yeah, from he, a friend. He might he might have popularized it because uh, I definitely heard him him say it. Uh, you know, listening to listening to who uh, to to his podcast, uh, he's definitely said it. But I don't know if he came up with it. If he did, that that's awesome. But uh, it's it's uh, definitely become the the name for for yeah. uh, the recurve around the house. Man, I love that advice because I tell people all the time. Um, I, I had a guy reach out probably a week ago, and he was like, hey, man, you have time for a call? And I'm like, sure, you know, call me whenever. And uh, he was probably a 19-year-old kid, and that was his question was, how do I become full-time in the industry? And I, t and I told him two pieces of advice. I told him differently than you. I said, you got it. First off, quit asking yourself, what can these companies do for me? Um, what can Bear Archery do for me? And rather, what can I do for Bear Archery? Um, and, and I tell 100%. all the time, reach out to people that you want to work with and just say, Hey, what can I help you with at the moment? 
Like, what do you need? What products would you like photography of? What, what products would you like review of? What products? Ask them, what, what can I do for you? Not, well, how big of a contract can I get? What kind of sponsorships can I get? Ask those people, what can I do for you? And, uh, you know, I tell people that all the time. They're like, how did you get to, to host a podcast for Bear Archery? And I said, it simply started for asking them all the time. What can I do for you? Um, what, what do you need help with? And, uh, and here it is. Um, and then, and then, yeah, like you said, be just hang in there. Like it's going to be, it's not going to happen overnight. Just hang in there. Now I'm curious to dive into the archery start, uh, or the hunting start of your, your life. Uh, were you adult onset hunter or were you a hunter as a kid? How'd that happen? Uh, man, I grew up in the city of Cleveland, uh, and hunting was like the last thing that I ever thought I'd be doing. Um, really? I, I de- yeah, definitely, uh, an onset hunter, a, an adult onset hunter. Um, my, my wife, uh, I, it, you hundred percent have to blame her for me, me getting into hunting. Um, she, she grew up in like outside of Louisville, Kentucky. Um, and grew up hunting, you know, she grew up on her uncle Tater's goat farm, like real thing. Uh, uh, like she's country is as she's just country as hell. She's um, a country bumpkin. Oh <laughs> yeah. She's, she, uh, she, 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 we, we've argued before because she thinks that hillbilly is a term of endearment. Uh, I, where I grew up, that was like an insult. Like redneck was like, you know, the blue collar guy and, and hillbilly was like, you know, you're backwards. And she's like, nah, not, not down from where I'm from. I was like, maybe, I maybe to that's because I agree with you. Uh, yeah. I so, so it's, and I'm it's from a, Arkansas. It's, a, it's like, a hot, we, we're it's the a, ones that got called the hillbillies and we're sure, like, whoa, it's, slow down. It, it's a, it's a hot like debate as far as is, is hillbilly preferred term or is redneck? Cause she thinks redneck is like that. Like that's like talking smack about you. But regardless, I want to, I'm going to, I'm going to get sidetracked. Uh, so she, you know, she grew up hunting, but, you know, kind of pursuing wrestling, like, like we were talking about, she threw herself into it. You know, she was going to Japan she's going all the, you know, doing the same independent grind that I was doing. Uh, then she got into WWE and, you know, was living it, breathing it, stuff like that. And, um, right before we got married, she got it in her head that she wanted to get back into not only get back into hunting, but she set a goal for herself that she wanted to serve uh, a deer that she took at our wedding. Like we had a, like a full Viking wedding. Um, and like, you know, everybody was dressed like head to toe in Viking, like Viking kit. Like we did a, a ceremony outside and it was important to her that she put a deer on the table for the wedding feast. So she, you know, kind of got like, just dove back in head first. Like she, she got a, a crossbow and she, you know, her, her dad still had some, you know, some woods down in, in, um, Indiana. And she spent a week just, you know, morning and night, just grinding it out, grinding it out, grinding it out. And, you know, on her last day that she was able to hunt, she was able to put down a buck. Uh, we ate it at the, at the wedding and I thought it was awesome, but like, it was her thing. You know what I mean? Like, I was just like, Hey, that's cool that you want to hunt. Like, uh, I'm not really like, that's not me. You know what I mean? Like, that's just not a thing that I want to do. So um, as somebody who is somebody who didn't grow up hunting and understand that, like obsession with it, 
what were you thinking watching her hunt for a week? And you're like, what are you doing? Like, so, so I just I, like, um, I think one of the best things about my relationship and, and my, my marriage with her is that we just are supportive. Like she wants to do something. I'm like, cool, do it. Like, I don't have to do it for me to support her doing it. Right. So like, I'm like, I'm like, Hey, that's your thing. Like, awesome. Like we're both like passionately, excuse me, like passionately curious. I think we're always looking for stuff to do that we're not good at so that we can work really, really hard at it and then become a little less not good. Uh, I wouldn't say like, we'll get good at it, but you know what I mean? We'll get better. Uh, and it's a, it's just a challenge that we kind of are always looking for. Um, so when she started hunting, I was uh, like, I didn't really get the connection. You know what I mean? Like it, it, I right. didn't, it was my closest exposure to hunting, but I wasn't, it wasn't really something that I was super interested in or, you know, had any desire to do. Um, and then, uh, she actually, you know, she talked about it and like, as we're getting married, she's, she's talking more about like the reasons why she wants to hunt and the reasons, you know, she, she wants to connect more with our food and she wants to do this, you know, um, she'd like to move to a farm, you know, have a farm. And like, all these things are like things that I've never really considered in my life or like, you know, I grew up in cities. I lived in cities. I bought my meat at the grocery store. Um, you know, like a, like a normal person. And then, um, she actually, uh, after that, after that hunting season, um, we watched every single episode of Meat Eater uh, that was out there. Uh, how long ago was this? Just for time frame, re like reference. Four years. Okay. Four years. Yeah. So I think I've had like three full hunting seasons. Gotcha. Uh, under my under my belt. Um, and and when I say hunting seasons, I'm talking white-tailed deer because I live in Ohio. Right. Um, which which that's that's hunting season in Ohio. Um, but uh, so. Yeah, three. I think three full full ones. I, I don't think I've been. I've hit four yet. I think this is my fourth coming up in twenty twenty two. But um, it's it's recent. Um, but uh, we, you know, uh, like I, I went, I went out. I actually, you know, she was like after the wedding, like two days after the wedding, I went out and like sat in the woods with, um, you know, we we're in tree stands like one hundred fifty yards from each other. I didn't see anything but squirrels. And I was still at that point, I'm like, dude, I don't even know if I can pull the trigger on a, on a deer, but you know, I went out and it was, it was whatever. Uh, it was cool. Uh, it was, it was the first time I'd ever watched the, you know, the, the sun come up from a tree stand. Um, but, uh, we, I watched every single episode of meat eater, uh, between that, that, that hunt, uh, after a wedding and the next season. And I really started thinking and looking at, um, our food system and where our meat comes from and the health benefits of harvesting, you know, wild game and really kind of changed my mentality and my mindset about what's important as far as food, um, are really our food systems. And like at the same time, Sarah and I started looking into, um, homesteading and like, getting more living more sustainably and doing small things that we could do to change um kind of our lifestyle and our um yeah like uh just our lifestyle like um where we got our meat and what was important about that and why it was important and like so my mentality shifted like 
that, you know, whatever, uh, that year, next year going into deer season. And, uh, so by, by the time, and then like we, at the same time that that happened, like we moved it back to Ohio. Uh, we got a farm, we got a, you know, a place out in the country with land to, to start a farm. Um, and then we were able to go hunting that first year. Um, and I hunted on, on my land, on our farm and er, an early season. Uh, I, you know, I was hunting with a crossbow at that point because I was not confident that I could put an ethical shot on a, on a deer with a compound. Um, and, uh, I, I took my first buck and I went through like the ups and downs of, you know, at first I was super excited cause I, I hit it and I thought it was a good hit. And then like blood trail was, was cr- like really good. And then it went out and like, I didn't think we were going to find it. So I, I started having like, you know, uh, like waves of guilt thinking that I just wounded this thing and that, you know, I was a terrible person. And then uh, we found it and, you know, brought it home. And then like two days later, my parents came over to the, to the house and I cooked up a uh, backstrap for everybody. And this was deer that I had harvested. I had put, you know, uh, the, we took that one to the butcher, but like we picked it up from the butcher right away. And like I prepared and I cooked and it like something clicked in me, like something shifted and was like, like this is something supposed to be something primal. Yeah. It was, it was a feeling that it's, it's really, I, it's very difficult to, to, to categorize or put into words, but it was like, um, and without, without sounding too like spiritual or whatever, it was definitely like almost a spiritual, um, 100%, like, yeah. a, like a, a epiphany, like something, something primal unlocked in me when I was, when we were eating that deer, the true Viking uh, came out. Yeah. Yeah. It really, really did. Uh, and, and, and then like, I, I kind of have an obsessive personality. So from that moment, I was all in a thousand percent. Uh, you know, we, I, we, we probably hunted, you know, at least four days a week that, that first, that first season, every single week from September to, uh, you know, the first weekend of February, because in Ohio, it's a, it's a pretty long season. So we went, you know, I don't know how many hundred of times that, how many days that, that is that we, we got to get out into the woods, but we, every day we were home, we were hunting. Um, and, and just kind of have been obsessed with it ever since. And I've, I still am, am very new to hunting, but I'm very, uh, obsessively learning as, as much as I possibly can. Um, and since then we've, you know, we've explored other, other areas of hunting and have gone, you know, uh, we've hunted pigs down in Florida and bear in West Virginia, and you know, um, and, and, and are looking forward to some more opportunities as far as that. And like just getting, filling our freezers with clean organic meat as is like, we've literally rearranged our life to be homesteaders and hunters from, from going awesome. to be, before we, before we got married, that was not even like on my radar. And like, when I tell you, we, we rearranged our entire lives to reconnect with our food system. And it was all about food. It was all about the, the, the best possible protein source that we can put in our bodies. Um, and, and it, it literally, literally changed our lives. So because of that, I'm not exactly shy about talking about it. (laughs) Yeah, no. And that's what, you know, and again, I didn't know when the hunting began. Um, but just looking at your social media, 
it's like the dude 100% lives the lifestyle. Um, he doesn't fake it. It's not like a, oh, I'm a hunter. You know, I mean, 100% you dove in and you live the lifestyle. Um, and, and not only do I respect that, but again, going back to using your influence for good, um, it, it excited me because I'm like, this dude has a reach that goes way outside the hunting community and he's using it to influence for hunting. And you see that amongst guys like, like, um, Cameron Haynes and, and, uh, Joe Rogan. And you're like, these dudes have massive reaches. And a lot of that is outside the hunting community, but they use that reach to influence those people for the good of hunting. And that just excites the, the, the heck out of me, man. Um, before we move on, I got to give a quick thank you to our friends over at NZ campers. Um, NZ campers is they're designed by hunters for hunters, and they are the most specific built campers that a hunter could ever buy. Um, they've got beautiful things built in like meat storage, boot dryers, scent-free cabinets. They are beautiful built campers, but more so they're built for hunters specifically. You've got to go check out NZ campers. That's E-N-Z-Y campers.com or on social media because they are phenomenal. Now, Raymond, I've got a question for you. Um, saw you not too long ago. Well, might've been a while ago now. Um, you met up with John Dudley. How did that, and, and, and I have a specific reason for asking this question. Uh, and let me just start by saying, I've told this story on the podcast before. John Dudley is the reason that I switched to a recurve. Um, and people are like, well, he doesn't shoot a recurve. I know it's because he made me mad one day. Um, we were talking about <laughs> recurves and he said, now listen, and I've preferenced this before, but I got to preference it again. Do not call me, email me and blast me for talking trash on John Dudley or don't reach out to John Dudley like he's talking trash on you for shooting a recurve. But he said, I enjoy accuracy, uh, so I shoot a compound. And I was like, in my mind, I'm like, well, I'll show you, dude. I can be accurate with this thing. And so that was like what triggered me to be like, well, now since John Dudley says you can't be accurate, I got to be accurate. Um, now, what John Dudley meant, and this is why I say don't reach out to John being like, yeah, take off the training wheels and hunt like a man. Um, that's, not, that's not the purpose behind this. Because what John Dudley meant was, I'm not good enough to hunt with a recurve. I'm not accurate enough to hunt with a recurve. He was not meaning that people cannot be accurate enough to hunt with a recurve. He was not meaning that Fred Eichler can't hunt with a recurve or whatever else. Um, he was not saying that people can't be accurate with a recurve. He was saying that he couldn't. Um, and so that was my inspiration in jumping in. But I do have a specific reason for asking you about your relationship with Dudley. Uh, but how did that, how did that develop and, and kind of, what does that look like? Um, it, it was, it was just one of those random things where, uh, you know, the, and, and we've definitely got some, some hate over getting some opportunities, uh, because of, of, of the, who we, who we are as far as WWE wrestlers, um, where people are like, oh man, the only reason you're doing this is because of X, Y, and Z. And I was like, well, well, yeah, but if you had the opportunity, you would do it too. Um, so like uh, a friend of a friend put us, put us together and actually, um, I think Sarah started talking to him first and, uh, and just, you know, he, he kind of, they were talking back and forth on, on social media and, uh, and was like, well, if you're ever in the area, I'd love to have you out, you know? whatever like you know we get together and shoot bows and stuff like that and and as it happened like we came through uh i think des moines or wherever I, he's out in iowa um 
I think it's Des Moines, but regardless, uh, we came through, uh, you know, his town and he was, he was home, you know, he was in town, uh, and we were able to go out and get, um, and, and visit him. I think we came in a couple days earlier. We stayed a couple days late as far as like what the wrestling, uh, show was. And, uh, man, he, he put us through the paces. He showed us the, the basics of, you know, his, uh, his archery shot process. And, and he really kind of opened our eyes as far as like the way that the technique should be done. Um, when someone has done the technique, like when someone has done a technique that many times, it's, they, you become a master at it. You know what I mean? Like there's people that know what they're doing and there's people that like do and then it there's well, John Dudley who, who has dedicated his life to archery. You know what I mean? Like that is a, like he's been, he's been shooting, you know, when, when did he start with, with Matthews and like right after high school, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and he, and he was shooting on tours and he was doing all this stuff. Like, like, man, that's like that level of dedication is, is astounding. And like, anybody that that doesn't know i'm sure people who listen to your podcast know like archery is a form of martial arts it's a it's a physical skill it's a physical um skill set you know what i mean you need to be you need to be focused and you need to be martial you need to control your body and hand-eye coordination and all that fun stuff and like it's it's definitely a a a skill set that um you need to work on constantly um and and he he has mastered it but he's mastered it because of that work that he puts in obsessively um and has for you know whatever 30 years uh so when you get the opportunity for somebody like that at that level to say hey uh you know i'd I'd love to love to shoot some bows with you and and uh and show you a few things you jump at the chance and and so we jumped at the chance and we we actually got to you know spend the night out at his, at his, at his cabin and, you know, shoot bows with them. And, and, and like he, he walked us through the knock on process and walked us through, you know, uh, I took so many like notes on my, on my phone and like took pictures of like, he like drew, uh, like foot, you know, where we should put our feet on the ground, which is not a thing that I had even thought of prior to, to, to going to shoot with him and like, you know, wrote out the shot process, and, you know, just it, it's things that like he put that, that foundation for us, um, about how to shoot a compound correctly. That's why, that's why I asked you. Um, I, I'm in the same boat. I get a whole lot of, a whole lot of what well, you would have never got to shoot a, a, a recurve as well, or as clean or whatever, if you didn't know these guys, um, you know, I, I got to spend a day with, with Harv Ebers, um, who is, you know, one of the founding members of Pope and Young, uh, uh, a, a personal friend of Fred bear. And, and, uh, you know, he taught me how to shoot a recurve and I've got coaches like Tom Clum, uh, Jim Willems and, and, and these guys and people are like, well, yeah, but we don't all get to learn from those types of guys. And my point is this, find the best coach you can, even if that's the old man that lives down your street and, and has killed deer all his life, find the best coach you can somebody and start pulling in knowledge from them. Um, be a sponge when it comes to hunting. Uh, be a sponge when it comes to how do you scout? How do you set up a bow? How do you tune an arrow? How do you be a sponge on all those things? Go to your bow shop and just sit and listen. And, and But whatever level of coach or help you can find, you're right. It might not be John Dudley. It might not be Harv Ebers. But whatever level you can find, find a coach and start learning. 
um, and start pulling in all the information you can possibly get. That's the best piece of advice I can give to any new hunter. I could not, could not agree more. I feel like, uh, I personally, like, you know, someone who came into hunting, like, you know, just a couple of years ago and come in, coming in as an adult, like I had, I accelerated my learning curve because of all of that. And, and, and I'm, I am going to kind of disagree with you just to, just for a second, because of all the information that's out there, like everyone has these, you know, cell phone in your pocket that has access to YouTube. John Dudley has instructional videos on YouTube. Uh, you know, Tom Klum has a, um, uh, a shoot solid, uh, archery course on how to, how to be a traditional bow or a traditional archer on, uh, on a website. Like you can get a, I, man, I think that thing's like a 12 hour course, the video course. I'm like, I'm like, it's more, it's way, way, it's way more than 12 hours, but it's, I'm, I'm in the middle of that course right now. So like you, you, you went to Tom Klum directly I'm taking his video course and I'm doing the homework assignments and I'm using that knowledge to teach myself how to shoot, shoot recurve. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's, it's definitely something that is accessible now, like knowledge. You have no excuse not to, not to find knowledge. Cause I know that I don't know anything about this. I don't know. You know what I mean? From in like the grand scheme of things, like I've been shooting archery for a, 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 a blink of an eye. So like, Right. Why of like you need to find people who know more than you like find a mentor um you know like you said like somebody at a bow shop they they know more than you then shut up and listen like you right. can you you can you can find and and maybe their whole process isn't for you but maybe one thing they said helps you so so listen to that and then and then apply that like um you know bruce lee talked about that like uh you know uh, something about like, listen to every, you know, uh, um, you know, listen to everything, absorb what is, what is useful and discard the rest, like find, find that knowledge, seek it out. Like when I, you know, when I said like, uh, when I had that like moment of, you know, where I, I, I said like, I became a hunter, right? Like when I was, I was like, wow, okay, I'm in this. I spent hours watching YouTube videos. I spent hours watching, you know, reading, uh, reading everything I could find. I spent hours talking to people, asking questions, looking for people who knew more than me, because at that point I didn't know anything. So everyone knew more than me, you know what I mean? And then, and then from there, then you, you kind of accelerate that, that learning yeah. curve. And like, I'm sure that I learned, you know, whatever, like however many years of experience that like other people have, like I was just, they, they put the miles in. So I'm going to learn from them because right. I don't have those miles on my record, you know? So like when it's a guy like John Dudley or Tom Klum or Aaron Snyder or whoever, you know what I mean? Whoever that authority is like freaking listen to him, man. Like, <laughs> and, and, and definitely try to find somebody local, whether it's, whether it's the old guy down the street or it's somebody at your bow shop or there's, there's like archery clubs and bow hunting clubs and 3d clubs all over the country, like find something and then don't be afraid to, to not be good. Like, I feel like so many people have like, um, a fear of failure and a fear of like not being the best at something or not being good at something, man, I have no problem telling people that I suck at right. what, whatever I'm doing. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I actively seek out those situations where I can be like that white belt, you know, like that white belt mentality, like, man, teach me everything because I don't know anything. 
Uh, right. and, and then now I get to take all that stuff home. Now I get to work on it. Now I get to train. Now I get to pro- progress. And maybe tomorrow I'll know a little bit, but it won't be a lot. So I can still learn and I'm still learning. And I'm still, you know, like, dude, I'm still learning every time I go out in the woods, every time I hunt, I still have so many questions. I have still have so many things that I don't know. And I'm sure that I don't, I'm, I'm looking back at things I did the, my first year of hunting and I'm like, man, you're an idiot. Uh, and like, <laughs> I am sure in two years I'll look back and go, man, you're an idiot for like stuff I'm doing now. So like, right. It, but that's, that's the exciting thing. Like, cause you know, when I'm 75, I'm sure I'll look back and be like, man, what a dumb kid. Why would you, why would you be doing that stuff? You know what I mean? Like, and, and yeah. that's what I love about this. And and that's what I love about archery. That's what I love about bow hunting. Like, it's just, it's a, it's an ever it's a, it's a pursuit that you can do for your entire life. And there's not many pursuits like that, uh, that, that are, are accessible and are so directly beneficial to your life. Yeah, absolutely. Find resources. Um, my, my goal for this entire podcast, um, is for, to give people the resources to grow as hunters. Um, last year we did a seven part traditional series, um, and, and I'm not tooting my own horn because what I did is I went and found the very best in traditional archery, um, to help me. And, uh, you know, guys like Tom Clum, Harv Ebers, um, Fred Eichler, Aaron Schneider, Clay Hayes, Chris Perino. Uh, these guys are teaching you from the ground up how to shoot a recurve, how to select a bow, how to set up your bow, how to select the arrows, how to tune, how to, I mean, but but I say all that to say this, find resources to help you. And there are great resources out there. There are much better resources than myself. Uh, but those seven guys that came on that series, there's not many better resources than them. Um, I want to, uh, this year, this year my goal is to put out, I think, an 11-part whitetail series from the ground up, how to hunt whitetails, um, how to scout for them, where to hang your stands, uh, whitetail Dude, habitat. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I think I think the the fact that people have never been so accessible, uh, like experts have never been so accessible. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to go and, and climb a mountain and you know what I mean? And, and be three days out in the wilderness to find, uh, John Dudley's archery advice. You just pick up YouTube. He's got how many videos, you know what I mean? You don't need to, you don't, you, you don't need to, uh, to do that same, you know what I mean? To go on a, to go on a, you know, a, a, a seven mile walk to, to, to find Aaron Snyder talking about traditional hunting or talking about high country hunting or, you know what I mean? Whatever, like with podcasts, right. with YouTube, with, uh, with social media, like, and a lot of these guys, and, and you'll know this, like a lot of these guys will just respond if you message or comment them on them. Like yeah. if you have a question, like, and I know because, you know, uh, like if, if you have a question, man, post it on people's comments, send a message. Like I, I get, uh, I get messages every week from people who are either interested about being hunters or, you know, have a, you know, have a question about hunting. And like, I, (laughs) I feel like my, like my, my response is always to bounce them to someone who knows a lot more than me, but like, I'm always trying to do that. And I recommend it. I'm like, Hey, you know, check out this video from Dudley or, Hey, go, go see this from Aaron Snyder or go, you know, go listen to this podcast. Cause they're going to tell you more than I, I will, but that's, I, I just, people are going to respond. And I feel like inside the hunting community, like there's so many like, qu- like high quality individuals 
where they genuinely want to help the newer generation of hunters or non-hunters or people who are just starting or, or guys who have been around for a while and, and, and are asking questions. You know what I mean? Like I think right. asking questions is going to, going to be the biggest thing that, that could possibly help somebody. Uh, you know, like you're, you're saying, you, you want to help people become better hunters uh, or better archers or better, you know, better, whatever, like, man, people, when they're trying to be better, have to be asking questions. Uh, right. and, and, and nothing is going to, nothing is going to speed up your improvement, uh, better than asking questions. Yeah. Um, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking, uh, 37, 37. So you started hunting at 33. If you're four years in, uh, yeah, ish 30, 33, yeah. 34, something like that. So let me just give people that, that encouragement. It's never too late to start. You know, I know some people are like, well, I'm such, I'm so behind the curve. You know, these guys, they were shooting deer with their grandpa when they were 12 or, you know, they were shooting squirrels with their dad when they were seven or, uh, I am I'm, I'm much too far behind the curve. Um, it's now there always are barriers of barriers of entry. Um, there's, there's always that those barriers that you got to get through of, of, of getting into archery. Um, you know, I would say as a, as a, an adult that's becoming a hunter, probably time is your biggest, your biggest barrier. Uh, money is a huge barrier for anybody. You look at this and you're like, wait a minute, I got to buy a bow. I got to buy arrows. I got to buy a target. I got to get hunting land. I got to buy camo. I got to get whatever it is. Um, which that's what I actually, I really like that yesterday. You said, you told me about your cruiser, um, uh, from bear archery. <laughs> and you know, that's one thing that I, I, I'm also a big proponent of, of telling guys like you can start hunting without dropping thousands of dollars. You can start, you know, you can kill a deer without spending 10 grand. Uh, you can get a cruiser or a, a, a legit and spend a few hundred dollars and go hunt. You can buy a used bow off eBay for a hundred bucks and go hunt. Um, and you, and you can wear, you know, a pair of, uh, a pair of canvas pants and a, and a green jacket. You know yeah. what I mean? Deer, deer don't care what you're wearing. What right. the best, the best form of camouflage is don't move. Yeah. Uh, my, my wife and I, uh, pretty much stopped wearing camo last year. Like we just wear the best piece of clothing, uh, that we have for that, that particular weather, whether, and, and whether that's a pair of camo pants cause they're light and stretchy. Sure. I'll wear them but I'm not specifically going for the camo because especially hunting from a tree stand, just don't move. Like if you, you know, grandpa, grandpa killed deer in, in blue jeans and a, and a flannel with a, you know, with a, a stick bow, like yeah, Fred bear did the same. Like, you know what I mean? Like you don't have to spend thousands on gear. You don't have to spend thousands on your equipment. Like, and if you, if you don't have time, get a crossbow. Like I, I fully support whatever anybody does that gets them in the woods to, to hunt and to harvest animals ethically. If it's legal and it's ethical, then do it. If that means 100%. a cross, if that means a crossbow, great. If that means a compound bow, great. If that means uh, a recurve or a primitive stick bow, great. If that means uh, a rifle in your state or a shotgun, great. Like it's all hunting. And like, I feel like there's so many, there's so much like 
infighting and like competitiveness in in hunting that it blows my mind because there's so many people outside of hunting that want to stop hunting they don't want you to hunt they don't want you to be allowed to hunt they don't want you to be allowed to own archery equipment or firearms and they are doing everything they can actively to take your rights away so like why are we why do i care what you use personally to put feet to put food in, in your freezer like if it's legal and ethical man I, I fully support it. Like I'm an equal opportunist death distributor. If there's yeah, a bazooka man. season, dude, I'll go shoot a bazooka. I don't care. Yeah. Like, like I don't, I don't care at all. And like, if you know what I mean? Like if you don't have like, and we were talking about, uh, you made the mention about John Dudley with saying something about, about recurve. Like he's, he doesn't shoot recurve enough to be accurate with it. It, it is is what what you sound it sounds like you were you said he said oh, wow that's confusing but like you know what i mean like but i know i know guys that like if you can watch there's aaron snyder videos of him shooting recurve you know and and hitting in a in a you know a half dollar at 50 yards so that but that dude shoots every single day and if you don't have time to shoot every single day and and sharpen that that skill Get a get a crossbow. If you if you have a crossbow, you can be lethal out to forty yards in about twelve minutes. Uh, you know, from the time you open the bow or open the crossbow until it arrows are downrange, like legit twelve minutes. You dial in the scope, you put that, you put screw the broadhead on, and you're good to go. Um, right. You know, the compound compound bow, uh, you can get it dialed in fairly quickly. And then it's just developing that skill, that shot sequence and stuff like that so that you're cool under pressure. Uh, recurve bow takes a lot longer uh, because it's because there's there's no technology helping you. Your body has to do all the work. Um, but like, man, I, I fully support and I tell people all the time, like buy a used bow, buy it, buy a cruiser. Like I love I so so bear a bear cruiser was my my first compound bow. Uh, and I still have that thing and I still bring it out and I still shoot it. Uh, it's a, it's a great little bow. Um, I, you know, I, man, I, I actually, I actually took my first deer with a compound bow with that bear cruiser. Um, you know, the first, the first year I hunted with a, with a crossbow. And then that next season I, I brought out the, uh, the bear, the bear cruiser cause it was a lower draw weight and I, I needed a lower draw weight. Um, I, I was dealing with some injuries and I couldn't, I couldn't pull back a heavier bow. So I used, I used that bear cruiser cause it was a light bow in the hand. It weighs like three pounds and you know, I've got it dialed down to 60 pounds or whatever the, the draw weight is. It's not much. Um, and man, it's, it's, it's a beautiful little bow, but like, and it, and it was an easy entry point for me because it didn't cost a lot of money and you right. can find them you and, and you can find them used on, you know, on marketplace or eBay or, whatever and or at your bow shop go to your bow shop and be like hey i need this or you know what i mean like i i need i need this extra stuff and like if you if you find hunters if you find buddies to hunt with most of them have extra stuff they'll either sell it to you or borrow it let you borrow it you know what i mean like sarah and i have taken people hunting for the first time who didn't have any hunting equipment but we've got some extra gear so we put them in warm clothes we give them a crossbow and we and off they go. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's right. definitely a, that community of like the, there, there's barriers of entry for sure. And, and there's, there's different challenging courses that you can decide to take, but also you can do it really simply 
and you can do it really cost effectively. You don't need a full, you know, thousand dollar, twelve hundred dollar Sika system uh, to go out and hunt. Now, Sika's Sika system is cool, and it, it looks cool, and it works well, and it's super high technical stuff. But you don't need it. You know what I mean? In most situations, if you're going for fourteen days in the backcountry, you might want it. But you know, if you're going out deer hunting or turkey hunting, I don't think uh, I don't think it's necessary. Right. Um. I've been anxious to ask you this. Is there any crossover between wrestling and hunting? Like maybe lessons learned or, um, I mean, anything, is there any kind of crossover? I always like to ask people that, even if it's not on the podcast, just like what you do for a living, is there any crossover between that and hunting? Um, and so I'm anxious to ask you that. I mean, obviously the competition of wrestling and the, but, but, yeah, I'm, I'm just curious to know, do you feel like there's any crossover? So there's not a direct crossover, uh, I think, point for point, but aspects of wrestling crossover with aspects of hunting. Uh, the way that I approach training for hunting is because of my wrestling background. Uh, I was an amateur wrestler, you know, uh, collegiate wrestler, Olympic style, you know, freestyle wrestler my whole life. Uh, I've been a professional wrestler, like I said, since 2003. So I have definitely like, um, training, uh, mentality and training techniques and stuff like that. Then my approach to training, I think really helped me accelerate as a bow hunter, uh, because I see it as a task and I see it as just part of my training, you know, like you, we, you mentioned campaigns earlier in a, in a podcast that lift, run, shoot thing. So I, you know, I, I lift and I shoot about every day that I possibly can. Uh, I have uh, shot and release trainers. Uh, uh, Dudley gave us one that for the compound, but I also have a couple for uh, the recurve. So I'll be in my hotel room or in the airport, you know, and I'm working on my shot release training uh, because uh, it's similar to like dry firing drills that, that, that special forces guys do um, with, with firearms. But like it's it. So I feel like that is the biggest crossover uh, that like approach to take this as a training modality, you know what I mean? Like dedicate everything right. you can to training that skill set because I see it as a skill set. I see archery as a, as a martial art. So like I need to approach it like a martial art. Um, and then the other thing is, is kind of like, um, like from a knowing how to, how to act physically when adrenaline spikes, um, you know, uh, I get, I get buck fever like everybody else. You know what I mean? You see a big deer, you see, I, I get buck fever, whether it's a deer, whether it's a doe or a buck, I'd be completely honest because I care way more about pounds of meat in my freezer than I do of inches of antler score. And guys can argue me on, on that all they want, but that's what I care about the most. So I get just as excited when a doe walks out as a buck. And, um, but knowing kind of how to keep, keep your, uh, you know, keep yourself together when that adrenaline spikes is something that, that definitely has helped because of wrestling. Cause you know, there's, you want to talk adrenaline, there's, you know, 30,000 people screaming for you, um, you know, or reacting to things that you're doing or screaming your name. Uh, there, there's definitely some, there and some nerves there and like, you know, uh, 
so learning that how to how to kind of deal with that was was something that I I kind of knew coming into hunting. Um, so that there there was definitely a crossover there. But I think uh, I think the approach to training and and just like kind of dealing with that adrenaline and the adrenaline dump that happens after it um, is is something that I kind of already had. Uh, Very cool. You got any uh, you got any turkey plans for the spring? Uh, not yet. Um, we're, we're really busy, uh, kind of getting the farm going. Uh, so I don't think I'm going to get out to do any turkey hunting. Um, I've never been turkey hunting, so I, I need to go, you know, when we talk about mentors, I need to go turkey hunting with someone who loves turkey hunting because I don't know anything about it. And right. I feel like if I just went out blindly in the woods, I wouldn't have a lot of fun. Um, so I need to find somebody who really loves turkey hunting and go turkey hunting with them. Um, yeah. but, but right now, man, we are, we're so busy. Uh, you know, our, our, our little boy just turned one. So he's, he's running all over the place. We just got two, two new cows on the, on the farm. Uh, springtime is, is, is the time to put the work in. So when I'm not wrestling and this, this week I was home and we had projects every single day, uh, yeah. just trying to get, you know, just trying to get everything, everything rolling, uh, with the farm. And then, and then we'll, we're, if we're not doing that, then we're trying to, figure out how to how to not lose a bunch of arrows doing uh doing recurve archery um so it's 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 fun but it's you know it's it's busy so it's life is like 100 miles an hour right now so i i doubt very much that i'm going to get a a chance to get in the woods for for turkey season maybe next year you got any you got any big fall plans any big fall hunts this year man uh so i just put in for um tags in sandy or um in uh, south dakota uh, a buddy of mine goes out and hunts, hunts out in South Dakota every year. Um, so I put in for, uh, archery, uh, and, and it's, uh, like, uh, I think it's any deer. So that could be mule deer or, or whitetail. Um, and I'm hoping to do that. Uh, I've got, I've got, uh, my wife just put in for elk tags in, in Montana. Um, so we're, we're trying to, Hopefully that, that comes through, but it's, man, it's usually at our house, it's all whitetail all the time. Uh, we're, we're completely obsessed. So our biggest plans for the fall is, uh, hunting with recurves. So that's our goal. And we've got, you know, a couple more months to, uh, really, really, really put the practice in and really, really, really get good. So we both want to take a deer with a recurve this year. Um, and, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's goal. Like number one through three, I think. That's awesome, man. Um, I ask all my guests, Fred Bear is big on his field notes. So I ask all my guests, what's one uh, piece of advice, tip, or trick that you've learned um, that you, that I can take and make myself a better hunter with, the listener can take and make themselves a better hunter with? That's a tough question. Um, I think uh, I think my, my biggest takeaway is uh, – or my, my biggest tip. And I think it's something that I see on social media a lot is, uh, you know, stop worrying so much about matching your camo and start worrying more about not moving when you're sit when you're on stand. I think, uh, I think that's the biggest, the biggest thing that I've learned in the last, you know, in my, in my short, short term in hunting that, uh, deer don't care what color camo you're wearing. They carry, they care how much you move. Yeah. Very true, man. Uh, Fred Bear was quoted as the best camo you can have is to sit still and be quiet. Um, he's, he's, he's a pretty, he's a pretty smart guy. Yeah. He, he found some success. <laughs> yeah. Just a little. Yeah. 
Well, Raymond, I appreciate you coming on, man. I, uh, I've been looking forward to having you on for a long time. I, you know, again, I just respect and I love the way that you use your influence for the good of hunting. And so, uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. Cause I, I believe that it's guys like you that make a true difference in, in, in hunting. Man, I, I'm, I'm happy and honored to, uh, to be on the podcast and, uh, to kind of be seen in that, in that light. I just, I feel like it's important to be authentic in, in who we are and like why we are the, you know, why we live the way we are. Um, so if I have that platform and I'm able to kind of share that message about, you know, reconnecting with our food source and why it's important to me, my family, but why it's important, should be important to you and yours. Uh, I feel like I would be doing a disservice by not spreading that message and not talking about it, not, not bringing that forward. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing that and, um, you know, hopefully have some fun and make some memories in the process. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, before we go, one more quick thank you for our friends over at minus 33 Merino wool. Um, if you have never tried Merino wool, I would highly encourage you to give it a shot. Um, it provides good insulation, uh, it keeps the, the warmth properties, even when it becomes wet. Um, it doesn't itch. It's antimicrobial, so it doesn't smell. Um, it doesn't hold. It doesn't hold scent um, like other clothing does. So you can hunt in the back country with it uh, for multiple days, and it doesn't doesn't become uh, bacteria filled and stinky, full of sweat like others. Uh, um, you've got to check out merino wool, and minus thirty three simply does merino wool and does it really well. So go check out our friends over at minus thirty three. Um, Raymond, again, thank you for coming on. Guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great week. Turkey seasons are kicking off. So as always, if you find success in the turkey woods, I would actually love, I would absolutely love to share in your excitement. So shoot me over an email with all your turkey success photos. Find me on Instagram and shoot them over to me. I love seeing success of hunters. So make sure and shoot them over to me. Guys, thanks for listening. Have a great week.